as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. for another short and sweet episode john mark and i just basically just tackle just what appeals about uh the cult movie that is the hitcher (laughs) all began in 1986 uh drifter c thomas howe and girlfriend jennifer jason lee are stalked by an unnamed stranger uh known as the hitcher played by rutger dower and was followed by a loosely related sequel and a uh, pretty stupid uh, remake. And uh, so, uh, John, when you first tackled a bunch of these movies that were a mixture of action, mystery, and horror, uh, what do you think about this particular movie that just kind of changed changed the game a bit, just really upped the stakes for all those genre mashups and all these just mysterious vibe filled movies that mix road trips with, you know, danger. <laughs> well, for me, I think it's mostly just how the film combines both action and horror together pretty seamlessly. I think that's what influenced quite a few of the movies down the line much later on. Right. And I would just always see just so many different titles at the various video stores and on TV. And it's like they weren't doing knockoffs of like the Terminator or Warlock, you know, and then mm-hmm. well, more more than not. They're, they're definitely influenced by the Hitcher. I, I definitely saw it the most in, you know, movies that predate this like duel as well as uh, Jeepers Creepers, especially part one. It's like there was yeah. just that wanting to just just show that you know the worst kind of terror just always happens on the road (laughs) and you just have a car crash of a movie (laughs) yeah that's true um well were you already a big fan of Rutger Hauer when you saw this movie (laughs) actually here's the interesting part this is the one that introduced me to Rutger Hauer Woo! (laughs) because I actually didn't know who he was because I was a little kid when I first watched this and, oh damn! Yeah, and that'd be very terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's why I never pick up Hitchhikers. Period. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is the one that introduced me to him. 
And that's when I found out he was in Blade Runner. And then some other ones, like Surviving the Game. Right. But this is still my favorite performance from him to this day. Like, he's still one of the most terrifying characters in the whole film. Green. Indeed. And I, I just really can't fathom that it's already been almost a year since we lost him. And it's like, damn, you yeah. know, because that actor was just so giving, so seductive, so restrained and I don't, really didn't even really get typecast as any Euro trash type villain, not even in Nighthawks, just to see him mm-hmm. just envelope every kind of movie and just seeing all these other rumors and behind the scenes talk about how certain actors felt threatened by his presence <laughs> to where they wanted to yeah. try and have his scenes cut and it it didn't matter. He pretty much still stole the movie from him. That's like that's one of a kind kind of talent. He has a wonderful book, which I referenced uh, the last few episodes on when we talked about Blade Runner and Soldier. And we talked about how he has a wonderful book called uh, All These Memories. And he just would always provide very exclusive on set experience. Now, I wasn't able to reread the chapter where he got to, you know, the year 86. But this is definitely around the time where he starts becoming, you know, HBO sees how there's some international interest. So they always want to start this is around the same time that they started doing the world premiere movies where they would air them before they went to other basic cable or VHS uh, mm-hmm. only releases at the video store. And they would just, pr- that was just part of their, what they offered on their premium service. There's like, okay, you want to see it, you know, before it goes to the festivals or the video store, you know, <laughs> see it a few months in advance on our service. That's where it's going to premiere first. And they did so many movies with him in it. You know that they would just premiere they just you know because they produced this movie for their theatrical outlet and so uh, it definitely helped out the less uh, the next stages of his 90s career while doing occasional you know theatrical appearances um mm-hmm. and i think he uh everybody holds their own in this you know jennifer jason lee doesn't have much to do but she's not you know a stupid uh, uh protagonist and uh you know c thomas howell uh, allows a lot of the same the rare mixture of just you know uh he, painful humanity and reluctant bravery you know whenever he's yelling no you know it's not you know <laughs> you know it's not whining yeah. <laughs> but it's also not you know superhuman you know i have all of a sudden know how to use a gun and everything you know it's just and uh it's cool seeing how you know the police are rendered incapable they're going through all these other you know uh parts of the state and just everybody is just pretty much in this desert wasteland just (laughs) expecting trouble and uh it just allows them the freedom to do so much different things and the the music score is also very beautiful oh it is my mark isom who you know did plenty of other great scores blade and (laughs) much like Hans Zimmer got started doing so many scoring, so many lesser scene drive-in cult features before, you know, being the go-to A-list composer. And uh, nowadays it's mainly people like James Newton Howard and everything, but I'm just saying, just, yeah. you know, um, it, I, I think it's overall just a very neat package. It's definitely, 
uh, one of the best uh, things by uh, what's his name who did uh, Near Dark and is always working on a few different things. Uh, Eric, yes, Eric Red. Uh, he's working on like a few like Bigfoot types uh, horror films. Um, and I think because he has a great sense of the unknown, I'm going to even make an unpopular statement that I feel like he's kind of more relevant than some of the other guys who get tossed in the action thriller horror map. And it's just he and Philip Noyce and maybe even uh, I want to say probably no oh, hell I, I got to I'll just name drop too many people. But uh, I just feel like those guys really do so many crowd pleasers and they just do so many often ignored techniques. It's like, you know, they're going way back, way the hell back to even, you know, Polanski or Hitchcock levels of, you know play around with the lights <laughs> that's true especially the hitchcock level in this movie uh, with a going for a while oh absolutely yeah it's yeah. like and I, I really do wish that would happen more often it's like okay you know uh like we you, before we started this recording for instance we were talking about the recent war movie hit uh the outpost you know there's some pretty good cgi in that but it's very limited for the most part it's just very limited small visual cues just indicating that you know what's going on inside the character's mind before the next battle sequence is like that's very effective and uh mm -hmm. this is definitely a product of those kind of things just using a lot of just smaller elements um what would you say are kind of the better post hitcher type movies that come out after this because it seems like this becomes dual 2.0 where every other movie's referencing it um hmm have any that kind of cross your mind <laughs> i'm trying to think of some it's all good definitely uh oh man is there anything i can think of can't think of anything in the top yeah, okay there yeah. you go no competition <laughs> not even jeepers creepers yeah. okay well yeah jeepers creepers even right. though it's an actual creature compared to this right <laughs> and that's the only good one of the of the Jeepers Creepers films, but I'm not going to go into that right now. <laughs> All good. Um, yeah. And um, more or less, uh, I think it's just, this is one of the few times where we see people being very comfortable uh, just going there, willing to uh, not overdo, you know, just all these big scale sequences and making sure it actually serves the story mm -hmm. um i you know the sequel might not be much to write home about but it's hardly shabby compared to most directed video sequels it got i remember way back in the day it got played very religiously on a usa network and uh, heavily hyped up on every other universal home video ad but uh i thought it was not bad especially because you know Hal was still pretty invested in the role, even talked about working on the movie rather positively. And so I was like, okay, so it wasn't a rushed shit show. <laughs> and they actually just wanted to do kind of a legit sequel and they just didn't want to bother with, you know, all the marketing it for a theatrical run, but. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down, feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! 
the new podcast cure-all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah, 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 good fun stuff. Well. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies.
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's tired, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love good movies, we love the bad ones too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes of gratuitous movies It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program this is definitely, you know, out of all these movies, uh, I, I think I, I definitely recommend watch the first Terminator or better yet, even watch T2 and then wa- do it as a double feature with Hitcher 1. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That would work perfectly. That, maybe even Maniac Cop. Just do something where you're just seeing a bunch of, you know, helpless deputies, a bunch of unusual bystanders who are witnessing just this unusual stalker who... And uh, compared to other movies, I've seen other movies do this and where, you know, there's, you know, two A-listers or semi-known actors facing off uh, on the big screen. And it got very old after a while because half the time they would just rely on the star power. They would literally explain virtually nothing going on. So you just had it just felt lazy as a result. And this is the one where enough unusual bizarreness is done at the start to where you know that the guy's just a psychopath and he 
we'll never really know his agenda. So, I, you know, I saw, I, I love Roger Ebert, but he massacred this movie so much back in the day. And it's like, you know, yeah. out, of all, out of all the movies with plot twists and everything galore, I think this one pulled it off way better <laughs> compared to so many other mm-hmm. ones throughout the 90s that would have cat and mouse games between two, uh, you know, uh, big, big A-listers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, out of all this one, you really you can't predict anything because nothing is given. You have to pretty much mm-hmm. just take it all away and get blown away every sequence, every, you know, car pound uh and there's really I don't think there's even any explosions in this fucking movie. I definitely can't recall one. <laughs> Maybe near the end. I thought there was one. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely near the end. But I see that, that's just, I remember. But that's just it. Is that you know, it wasn't fast and furious. It wasn't where I'm just concentrating on what cars being used for what chase scene. <laughs> um But just to point out about the Ebert thing, um Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest here, Ebert was not a big fan of horror films, especially quite a few of them. I see that a lot, and it seems like he gave Scream a pass, but before and after, it it really had to be something that kind of was just kind of like The Shining or Dead Calm, where it was horror mystery, kind of. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like if it was Carpenter or the newest sci-fi epic, even with Van Damme, he was going (laughs) to... Take it to the bank, saying it's the worst pile of crap you'd ever seen. Um, Although I can't complain with Scream because it's my favorite horror film, but right, I think he liked the sequel more. Which <laughs> I like the sequel, but yeah, I prefer the right. original. But I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, it, it, unless it was like one of the initial Alien movies, he he was not gonna be very kind of horror. He had to just really fill the pain in the room. He had to really feel like, you know, there was threatening stuff going on. Now, in terms of psychopath movies, he'd rave about them, whether it was, you know, something like Wild Things, Basic Instinct, or even a freaking, uh, what's the other one? Well, that was Rejects he praised. <laughs> right. I'm so baffled to this day. Why? <laughs> And then there, what was the other one? He, a uh, falling down. He was, was a really big fan of, and <laughs> he really. I remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah, that's what's so wild is like everyone else was bashing it, and he's like, I get it. We've never seen this kind of, you know, uh, character study before, and Cisco uh, just absolutely hated it. And he's like, No, Cisco, you're so off, man. This is, <laughs> this is so emotional, and. Uh, well, Cisco uh, is always weird. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> and he felt pressured. Just he, he, saw, he felt pressured to give T two a good score, even though he didn't like the first one. I'm like, yeah, no, don't don't kiss our ass. Come on now. <laughs> and then the one that drives me nuts, and oh, I can go on day about this one was the Broken Arrow one. When I think it was him that gave it a thumbs up, and then after. The, then took it back. Yeah. Then took it back and gave it a thumbs down. I'm like, what? If you like it, you like it. Come on. Yeah. That's. Oh, that just annoys me. I think he would have way more credibility if he hadn't even gone on a whole anti-video game rant. <laughs> just like, yeah. 
And the sad thing is I kind of agree with them. I don't think video games have as interactive a story, but if you haven't played them, you still have some holes in your argument. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say. It's like, yeah, no, I don't think anyone ever wanted them to replace movies. They were just saying it felt like a movie at times, kind of like how TV shows were becoming more edgy and gritty and Mm -hmm. uh, music was becoming more explicit, (laughs) less censored. So... I think that's all people were saying, and he took it the wrong way and said, they will never replace movies. It's like, well, see, some people, that's all they want to do is play video games by themselves or with friends as opposed to watch a movie for two hours that wears them out, either does or doesn't deliver on what it promises. So, True. But this one, the trailer really, from what I recall, didn't really give too much away, and I think that was cool because... There were a lot of 80s and 90s movies that had spoilers galore. They had to have all the money shots, so to speak, in there. And it's like, uh, you gave it all, all away. Although it's still not as bad as nowadays. Nowadays, they just gave you the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, <laughs> and and some of that is just even just second takes that aren't even in the final movie. And it's just still angering. It's like, you liars. <laughs> That's why I kind of... The ones I am going to see, which I am going to see in the theater, no tricks, just nope, Mm-mm. going in blind. Cause... Yeah, you got to. I mean, I never even saw many of those trailers before I saw the movies. They were always just fun to watch. But uh, I mean, the, to see the Wachowski siblings still just kind of. Want, daring to even just go back into that tunnel and say, yeah, we have another we still have another expansion of it. We embrace the cyberpunk uh, pop culture nature of it all. Um, mm, yeah. And just seeing how so many other careers uh, were born from that movie, you know, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, and even freaking uh, Robert Taylor went on to be the lead star on Longmire. So uh, you could definitely say the same about going back to this with a uh, hitcher. It's like so many people, you know, they're already semi stars, but it's like, Oh man, by this point now, everyone's always just has their number and calls them up for every other project. And it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd give definitely a four to the first one, three and a half for the second one. And it's definitely a two out of five for the stupid ass remake. It's just so much fun to make fun of because none of the actors care. And the music by is by nine inch nails, which I normally love, but they're playing all their hits and a bunch of other heavy metal that just does not fit the scene at all. <laughs> I remember just watching it. It was like, Oh boy, I can only imagine how many people just gave that movie the middle finger when they went to see it opening day. <laughs> well, for me, with the Hitcher, <laughs> I gave the first one. I give five out of five. Woo! <laughs> sequel. I'm not as positive, but oh, good. Me, I'm I'm more probably one and a half out of five. Oh, good. But the the remake is basically either a half or zero. That's <laughs> all Going good. Back and <laughs> I can't blame you. It's just noise pollution. I just love making fun of it because it's just so stupid. <laughs> John Dean rat- always tries, but don't yeah. get anything to work with. And he would have been great if he actually tried. 
that's pretty much it. He and uh, you know the music video guy wasn't inspired. Michael Bay was being heavy-handed with the whole production, overseeing it, and then you know Sophia yeah. Bush. She tried. She'd already, coincidentally enough, I keep going back to Terminator. She had been. She was supposed to be the lead in T Free. She lost out to that. She's got this crap fest instead while doing a few different TV shows, and mm-hmm. it's like. She has nothing to work with. I don't even remember who the male lead was. He wasn't very memorable. It's like the only thing different they really do is the female gal, you know, survives and the you know boyfriend dies instead of the other way around. But like you say, it's like so they actually show the death with the truck. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's like I'm sorry. It's better that we don't see it. It's better that, but what we think in our heads is better, scarier than what was shown. Right, and this is the post-Saw nature, and this is back when yeah. you know, everybody's got to show everything, and it's coming out the same year as Grindhouse and a bunch of other just throwbacks, and it's like, yeah, no, and there's a reason those were infamous and people would laugh at the screens. It's just ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. it's gross, but uh, yeah, uh, Neil McDonough is totally just being very over the top as the sheriff in that one, and it's just like, Jesus. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't remember him in that. So, and I, yeah, and I have a pet rabbit, and you know, I'm sorry, she does not like the opening scene where a rabbit gets mowed over. And it's like it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. It doesn't even set a tone. <laughs> nope, it gets to surprise you, basically. That's it. Yep, shock value. That's it. Cheap. <laughs> Just <Can> wait. <laughs> take two on the rabbit. Oh wait, CGI. Okay. That's why it's not as upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a